Father, we just want to say thank you for each testimony, Lord, for your working, providing, caring for us, giving us strength, protecting us as we travel. And, and Lord, just all the things that happen during the week, we thank you for your goodness and your testimony in our lives, your faithfulness. And Lord, we're thankful that the Christian life is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, there we go. All right, take your Bibles if you would. And we are in the third year, the last full year of Jesus' ministry. We are quickly approaching uh, the final week. And so, trying, uh, and I believe we should have no, no problems doing this, to finish the New Testament before Easter. I mean, the the Gospels, as we're going through them, and and of course, we're not taking time to cover every story in depth. We're just moving to tell uh, the story here of Jesus, and uh, uh, a short time period, the the Gospel uh, record here gives us a little bit of just different uh, views, uh, four different views. I, I am not one that proposes that uh, uh, the Gospel of Matthew was written primarily to the Jews and the Gospel of Luke to the world and John presents Jesus as the Messiah and, Matthew, and Mark. Uh, there's just different things. The, the problem is everybody's got their own idea and, and there's no verse in any one of these books that tell us. Matthew, I'm writing to the Jewish people, uh, though uh, Matthew does include a lot of Jewish uh, uh, th- uh, um, uh, notes. And, of course, he, he con- constantly says it is written, thus it might be fulfilled. And, uh, but what we have is just simple, simply four pictures, four stories of the life of Jesus. And as we piece these together, uh, we come now in... you got to realize we are... Uh, tonight, when we finish here, we will be within just a couple of months, right up into the month of January of this last year. So then you just have the rest of January, February, March, April's Passover. And uh, we're only in John chapter 7. Uh, and uh, so John is going to give most of his story. In fact, we'll get to John chapter 13 as the Last Supper. Uh, and then the entire rest of the book is all about the last week and Jesus' resurrection. And so um, John chapter 7 is where we're going to start here. The Feast of the Tabernacles. This came in October of the third year. And we're going to find that the teaching of Jesus and the intensity of what he is doing is is constantly being stepped up. He is getting more uh, direct in, in what he is explaining. And so we come here, the Feast of the Tabernacles, that was uh, connected there with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. These, this was one of the major feasts where you were supposed to all the Jewish males were supposed to be in Jerusalem. And uh, uh, we have uh, Jesus here in uh, John chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry or there where the temple was, because the Jews sought to kill him. Uh, Jesus wasn't foolish. If you read some of the accounts of uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and the, and the early Christians, they write these things as, as if these early Christians walked around with a sign on there, Caesar, please kill me. And, and that kind of attitude is not in our Bible. Um, if we understand things correctly, the feeding of the um, 5,000 in John chapter 6, was just before the last, or before the third Passover, right at the beginning of the third year. And 
Um, the inference is, at least in the notes that I've studied, that Jesus did not go, or if he did go, he went so secretly, there's no record of Jesus attending that third Passover. And then we get to verse 2, and it says, now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. So we're going all the way from April to October in two verses of John's narrative here. And uh, in verse 3, it says his brethren, this is Jesus' physical brothers, we would call them his half-brothers, uh, the, the children of regular, normal, biological children of Joseph and Mary, says, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world, for neither did his brethren believe him. Now, you look at those words, do they not uh, remind you of Jesus' own teaching during the Sermon on the Mount. No man lighteth a candle and hideth it under a bushel. He said, let your... His, his brothers knew what Jesus said, and they were throwing it back at him and saying, why are you in hiding if you're really doing these miracles, if you're really who you uh, say you are, if you're that much better than the rest of us? And it tells us here, because his own brethren didn't believe on him. And so... Um, you know, Jesus truly was. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And Jesus simply answered them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not yet up unto this feast. For my time is not yet full come. And when he had said these things unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. And so Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He's not traveling as he normally did. Now, when he comes into Jerusalem for the last Passover, that's what we call the triumphal entry. Uh, they're going to be... Uh, pulling their hair and pulling their beards and screaming and saying, can't you perceive the whole world has gone after him? And yet, Jesus kept this uh, uh, very uh, secretive. He kept it under wraps here. And now, verse 24, now about the midst of the feast, remember the Feast of Tabernacles was one of those, like the Days of Unleavened Bread, it went a full eight days from Sabbath to Sabbath. And uh, Jesus walks up in the middle of the temple and he teaches. Now, Jesus had been doing this for two full years at this time, two and a half years. In verse 15, and the Jews, this is the temple leaders, marveled saying, I know, how knoweth this man the letters having never learned? I mean, they're saying, he, he didn't study at our schools. We didn't teach him to read Hebrew. How does he know how to read? And, uh, of course, Jesus is God. But he still had to discipline himself to learn, to identify those letters, make his eyes and his human mind, the side of him worked. He had to teach that part of his body, just as we do, to learn how to read and we come here in verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Now look at verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? Now imagine this in the temple. This is during the feast of one of the most holy times of the Jewish year. Jesus ascends to the lectern in the temple and sits down and begins to teach the people. 
And then he says, God gave you the law, and none of you keep it because you're trying to kill me. Look at their response. The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? They, uh, they say, you, You've got to be possessed of the devil. You, you've got to be crazy. Nobody's trying to kill you. Well, wait a minute. Let's uh, come down here in verse 25. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? Uh, all of a sudden, it's like they didn't know who Jesus is. They just weren't making the connection. Jesus had been in Galilee for quite a while here, going about Galilee. Now he's going to spend a great deal of time uh, in Judea. He's going to go down to an area called Perea. That's where John the Baptist originally baptized, and he's uh, and as we follow this, this is one of the things that makes the story of Lazarus so tragic, is Jesus was not four days' journey away. He was less than half a day, and yet he abode where he was, right there, not far at all, four whole days before he arrives in Bethany. Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. What makes it hard? What made it hard for the, the sisters as they knew where Jesus was. You had Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, Bethany, where Mary and Martha lived, was right there in the suburbs of Jerusalem. Then the short little journey right down uh, toward Jericho, just a little south, would have brought you to the Jordan River. Maybe a day's journey at the very most if you were walking slow. And there Jesus was. They sent the messengers. The messengers came back. We told Jesus, but he's not coming. How did Mary and Martha feel? Deserted. Like Jesus had let them down. It wasn't that he couldn't come. He chose not to. And so as we're following the story here, we're going to jump back to the feast here. And Jesus is teaching them. And he's all of a sudden he brings up the fact that uh, on the Sabbath day, you would fulfill the law in, in keeping the law, in circumcising a child on the eighth day. If it fell on the Sabbath day, you actually broke the Sabbath. Now, did you break the Sabbath? Was this a sin that needed to be sacrificed for? No. Just like if your animal fell into a hole. Just like if you... Um, uh, if you had livestock that you took care of, you were able to lead them to water on the Sabbath day. God did not want the animals to suffer. It's, it's so amazing to me that the God of life makes provision for all the animals, but these crazy people out there who are trying to protect the animals make no provision for the people. In fact, they're standing ovation and high-fiving when they pass an abortion law that allows you to kill a baby. That, that's not abortion, my friend. We're, we're way past that here. This is the law in New York State now. That if a child is born alive, even after an abortion, the doctors can go ahead and kill it. That's the state we live in. That's what our governor's happy about. I'll tell you what, we, we need to pray. Because God's judgment always comes on the blood of the innocents. And, and there is no remedy for that. Read the story of Manasseh. And Jesus is explaining to them, and they finally wake up. And verse 26, But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Jesus is here in their territory, in the temple they control. And he is running the show. He is teaching the multitudes. Uh, when it talks about those multitudes, this was one of the three times of the year every Jewish male was to appear in Jerusalem. And so uh, Jesus is there. He is running the temple and they're upset. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. 
Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then sought they to take him, but no man laid hold on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. I love that. Look at verse 46. The officers return. Here's what this never man spake like this man. They heard Jesus teaching, and the people were arguing, and the the leaders there they they look here in verse forty seven and answered them the Pharisees are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law, are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Jesus identified himself as Jesus of Nazareth. Why? To confuse those who wanted an excuse not to believe on Jesus. Jesus gave them reason if they didn't want to believe on him. But if you looked at his life, did you have a choice? All the miracles that Jesus did, everything that he did, the speech that he spoke, as he spoke of the laws of God, the life that he lived, could you? In fact, Jesus looked at him and said, Which one of you convinceth me of sin? Which one of you who know the law can tell me something wrong that I did? Later on at his trial, could they, they couldn't even hire liars to lie about Jesus. This is who he is. And yet they hated him and we see... Uh, as we might say today, the temperature rising, the, the level of strife. They sent officers to arrest Jesus in the temple. And they end up in an argument. And the Pharisees, the Jews, the Sadducees, the leaders, the, the priests of the temple, they all just leave. Jesus goes out into the Mount of Olives. And in the morning, he comes back into the temple And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And we know the story, do we not? you got to get the setting for this. The day before, Jesus had taught in the temple. He had claimed to be the water of life. He said, if you'll come to me... Uh, You will not thirst. In verse 37, the next morning, Jesus is there in the temple again. The feast is over, actually, at this point. He is teaching. You know, how do you find someone who is committing this great act of sin so openly that you know when it was actually happening and they're able to break into the room And, of course, the law says you punish both people, but they only had the woman. Of course, we've been over this. The inference is they had set this poor lady up and were just using her as a pawn to try to entrap Jesus. Here's what would happen. If Jesus said, leave her alone, then They would take the pulpit and say, this man does not teach the truth of God. If Jesus said, stone her, or if he picked up a stone, they would have had their equivalent of their uh, cell phones or whatever it was in those days. The runners were prepared to go down to uh, the governor's 
uh, palace in the city of Jerusalem and scream, murder, he's stirring up the people, he's setting the, the whole city on right. Jesus, in their minds, they had him trapped. Don't you just love it when the world tries to catch Jesus? And so what does he do? He stoops down and he writes in the ground with his fingers. Like he didn't even hear him. And they're, what are we going to do? Jesus, what are we going to, we got this problem here and you don't want to solve it. I mean, you could just hear them going on and on, can't you? And finally, Jesus stands up and looks at him and says, let's just read it very carefully here. Verse 7, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, there's many people that want to read into this. He that was is without this sin, or whichever one of you weren't part of the entrapment of this woman and bringing her in here, but... Just take the words as they are. He's saying, if you don't have sin, why don't you sit in judgment? You're the one that brought her. You sit in judgment of her. And it says from the oldest to the youngest, they just peeled off until Jesus is there, just sitting, writing in the ground. Some people make the reference back to Jeremiah where it says, their names shall be written in the earth, talking about those that hate God. I I tend to make that connection there. What if Jesus were writing the names of the Pharisees? And they're sitting there looking, said, that's my name he's writing in the dirt. That would be pretty convicting now, wouldn't it? Because they knew the Bible. They were familiar with all of the prophecies. They would have studied Jeremiah. They would have known exactly what Jesus was doing. If that's the Bible doesn't certify that, but it, it certainly would be the most biblical answer to what Jesus was writing in the dirt. He wasn't just drawing little designs. And they were convicted of their own conscience and one by one. And finally, the woman is left there. Now you have to remember... There are thousands upon thousands of Jewish people here in the temple complex at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. This was not done in front of ten people. This was not a little auditorium. On the day of Pentecost, there would be 3,000 men in in Solomon's porch that got saved. Uh, A few months later, there'd be another 5,000. And that wasn't by any means everybody that was there. This temple complex could accommodate so many people. And this was done openly and in front. This is one of the reasons why just a few months, six months later, Jesus would be on trial before these very same people. And he says, listen, I didn't teach in quiet. I didn't teach in private. You were there. When you brought this poor woman that you had tricked into committing this sin so that you could use her to entrap me. And so Jesus was lifted himself up and saw none but the woman. And he said unto her, verse 10, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Verse 12, Then Jesus spake again unto them, I am the light of the world. Jesus, in chapter 7, claims to be the water of life, the source of life, the source of the water of life. In John chapter 8, he claims to be the light. And we, we follow down here. Let's uh, just uh, uh, well, let's just read some passage here. If we don't get through this tonight, that's okay. Starting in verse 12. 
Read carefully along. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Here Jesus is is giving them back their arguments. What had they argued about in chapter 7 on the very uh, day before? Out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. How can he be the Messiah? We don't know where he's from, yet the Bible tells us clearly Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just according to the Scriptures. The Pharisees had access to that information if they wanted to get it. The birth records were there. Uh, all they had to do was ask, where were you born? And Jesus would have told them. They, they could have sent to Nazareth and said, where, where was Jesus born? The eldest son of Joseph and Mary. And they would have said, he wasn't born here in Nazareth. That was during the taxation. He was born in Judea somewhere. Uh, they could have found this if they wanted it. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. In verse 15, Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And so... Jesus, just as he had done in John chapter 6, is continuing to put pressure on them. Uh, We get down toward the uh, end of the chapter here. Um, uh, Let's just pick up here uh, in verse 28. It says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children... You would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word, ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh speaketh of his own, for he is a liar 
and the Father of it. We come down here in uh, verse 54. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. How could you get more exacting than that? Jesus said, My Father honoreth me, and if you want to know my Father's name, you call him God. Yet, verse 55, Yet ye have not known him, but I know him, and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Do you get what happened here? In the very temple complex, they are picking up stones to stone Jesus. Jesus has, for the last two days, accused them. Well, since the middle of the feast, which would have been the last four days, he has openly accused the leaders of the temple of trying to plot his murder. They send soldiers to try to arrest him. Do you, are, are you getting the intensity of the situation here? And yet Jesus ends this time here by saying, Before Abraham was, I am. Do not be deceived. Anyone who would claim that Jesus did not claim to be God the Son just simply has not read their Bible. Uh, The Jehovah's Witnesses who claim Jesus is not God, they, they do so because they don't read their Bible. Uh, we, we, there's just nothing else to say here. It, it is simple and it is very profound. But now we're going to skip back to Luke chapter 10. And as Jesus leaves Jerusalem, he is now not only going to send out the twelve on a ministry through uh, lower Judea here, He is going to appoint 70. In verse uh, 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And he gives them instructions there. Not supposed to take anything extra. They're not supposed to take an extra coat, an extra pair of shoes. Uh, they're only supposed to go with what they have. They're not supposed to go from house to house. But when they enter into a town, they stay in one place until they have finished preaching the gospel there. And then they move on. Now imagine 35 groups of traveling preachers through southern Judea. There, there would be no opportunity for someone who was living in the land of Israel not to know of Jesus. Amen. He gave every opportunity to the Jewish people. The twelve had traveled through Galilee, a much smaller area. Now he had 35 groups going out. Uh, and Jesus himself entered into every one of those cities. And as he was moving through that southern area there below Jerusalem and around uh, heading over toward the um, east, uh, east actually toward the Jordan River where John had originally uh, baptized. We have the Good Samaritan as Jesus is re- uh, rebuking the uh, self-righteousness of the Pharisees. Apparently he's traveling back toward Jerusalem because at the end of chapter 10, we have Mary and Martha receiving him into their house. And here's the famous story where Martha was cumbered about with much service and Mary had sat there at his feet hearing Jesus teach. And and, uh, 
Martha uh, asked the Lord to, to rebuke her sister and make her help. And Jesus said, listen, more important than the food we eat is the spiritual state. And your sister has chosen that. Now later, when Lazarus dies, it's going to be Martha that has the faith and Mary that doesn't. But isn't that just human nature? What we need to understand is God has given us our place of service. And it is a privilege to serve the Lord wherever we might happen to be. The disciples ask about prayer and the Lord repeats much of what he had already taught them, uh, though not exactly word for word in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he gives them a story. He gives them a story about uh, a man going to his friend's house and asking for food in the middle of the night. He said he's not going to give him the food because he's his friend. But he is going to give him the food because he won't stop knocking. You know, that's one of the reasons we pray. Sometimes, I, I don't know if it feels like this to you, but sometimes it just feels like we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing happens. Well, listen, here's what Jesus said. You keep praying. Because God is not going to listen to you just because you talk a lot. God cares, and God is love, and God will answer our prayers for the right motives. But then he gives the story of the unjust judge and, and says, listen, you keep, uh, you keep praying. And then uh, there's another healing as Jesus moves through this land. He's going in the wake uh, of the seventy. Um, actually, we skipped over that. I'm sorry. Let's get back to uh, verse 17 of Luke chapter 10. Uh, I didn't mean to skip over that. It says, "In the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, can we just chase another one here? Uh, if you go into the dark woods and corners of Appalachia, uh, you'll find churches that believe in snake handling. And they'll get a box of rattlers and copperheads and... and uh, Stick a stick in there and get them all stirred up and then they'll put their hands in there and prove that uh, uh, the Lord gives them power over the power of the enemy. Now, is that what Jesus said to do? No. Jesus said, don't rejoice in the fact that the spirits are subject unto you. Don't rejoice in the fact that God keeps you and gives you power over that of the enemy. Rejoice in that your names are written in heaven. You know, let's, let's get ourselves on track. Let's keep ourselves. Let's don't distract. Don't try to prove God's love when God's love is so stated in the Bible. And you see, the Lord gave me enough sense to keep my hand out of the snake box. Amen. In fact, I'm not going to go hunting them up. I, I like them at the zoo when they're behind the glass. And, and uh, that's as close. I've, I've been around a few copperheads in my day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I went and got the wherewithal to make sure that the copperhead couldn't do any damage. Uh, just uh, take care of that thing. And uh, you killed the snakes? Yeah, we killed the snakes. I don't want them biting the dog or anybody else. Uh, listen. That's, Jesus wasn't telling us to go out and play with the devil. He was telling us to keep our hearts and minds centered on the fact that Jesus saves. Amen? And so we come down through Luke chapter 11. We talked about Jesus healing the, uh, the demoniac. He asked about prayer. And um, 
Jesus explains about the power of the devil, that if you let him out and let him back in, you're going to be in much worse shape than when you started. You know, the great, the best way to quit smoking is before you take your first puff. Amen? Uh, when you give ground back to the devil, it's just harder. This is uh, Luke chapter 11. Look what it says here. Uh, verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished, all cleaned up. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. This is what the devil just loves to do. This is called self-reformation. You know what? You can get the devil to leave you for a little while. But if you invite him back in, guess what? He's bringing his buddies with him. It's going to be a terrible thing. You you need to follow the Lord as he gives us direction in his word. Amen? And so, um, uh, we come here uh, down through... Uh, the uh, chapter 12, and Jesus is, is still teaching. And uh, we're coming up here on the uh, uh, Feast of Dedication. Uh, we uh, get back to John chapter 9, and I think we're going to just stop right there. And uh, let us just remember here that... Jesus is traveling all over Judea. He's sent out the 70. They return. And the main thing that Jesus wants them to praise the Lord about and to be thankful for is the fact that God saves them. Amen. So let's just take a moment here if you'd like to pray that the altar's open and then we'll get right into our prayer time tonight. God's people said, Amen. Um, Brother Dave, would you take care of that? Thank you. Um, This is the second Sunday of the month, and so we're praying for the uh, families in the church. And uh, those are listed here. Um, uh, I think I I, uh, related to you Thursday night. Leah Moldovan sent a letter, said she wants to Uh, that she is going to start attending the Romanian church and not attend our church anymore. And uh, we we just have to leave that with her decision. We want people to come here because they want to be here. Um, uh, Continue to pray for uh, Brother Bob Cook. He fell again last night. And uh, they're having some difficulties there. So pray for... Pray for him. Uh, Elena has asked us to pray for her son, Michael. He is, he is extremely ill, high fever, pneumonia, and uh, not really seeking as aggressive treatment as he would, as should, probably should. So just pray for uh, Elena's son. If you would, continue to pray for Community Baptist Church. Our greatest need there is a pastor. And uh, right now we have no, no leads whatsoever. Uh, so uh, we're still working through the organization. Hope to have that done in the next two or three weeks here. And so pray for them. Uh, pray for Brother and Mrs. Marshall. They're selling their house, and uh, Mrs. Marshall had uh, 
mononucleosis when she was just a young woman and every time that she gets overtired and overworked and things, it, it comes back. And she's been in and out of bed for the last two weeks and uh, the bank is coming Tuesday for the final assessment and the new owners are already doing construction in the house and I'm sure this is really giving her uh, an opportunity to rest and regain her strength. A uh, little sarcasm there, but just pray, uh, if you would, for uh, Brother and Mrs. Marshall. He will turn 86 in May, and she will turn 80. And they're looking at starting back out on the road again. And uh, someone may question, but I'm not going to question. I'm just going to pray for Mom and Dad and uh, my in-laws and would ask that you would join us in that as well. Um, Okay, how many unspoken requests? If you just lift your hands here. Okay, so look around please and write down those names there. And uh, young people are dismissed with uh, Andrew and Hannah, if they would. And the rest of us, uh, anything else we need to add to the list? Okay, then let's break up and pray. And then when we hear the piano playing, we'll pray together and be dismissed. <laughs>